Hey, it's Ben. We're doing something different this episode, and I really hope that you like it. If you do and want to help the show, let people know about us on Twitter, Reddit, and Facebook, anywhere that you can think of. And if you want to help us out financially, you can at patreon.com slash the Heidi and Mike. Thank you, and now on to the show. so calm here. You wouldn't think a graveyard is being such a massive place, but I guess when it's a plant's graveyard, it needs to be planetary in scale. Ah, there's a station. Prepare to dock. I engage the docking procedures, then take a look out the viewport. The empty expanse around us feels achingly heavy in my chest. Okay, let's do this. Welcome to an astonishing tale from the Hydean Way, where your hosts, Risa D. And Ben Yindel. I had the weirdest idea. It's actually one of the most sensical ideas I've had recently is around the movies that we have and the movies that are coming out and the Disney Plus stuff, if anyone were to touch that, there are a lot of ideas that are not touched on, like they're brushed up against. In some ways, it's the name inspiration for Tales from the Hydean Way is the Tales books from Legends, where you've got all these little things that brush up against the actual main plot. And some of them are just stories, some of them are myths. Some of them have really cool little side ideas, like a lot of the Weequay guards in Jabba's palace having a magic eight ball that gives them spiritual guidance. I love it, and weirdly enough, it's true. <laughs> Tales from Jabba's palace. I forget the exact story. Yeah, those were... Stories. <laughs> but there are so many stories that we can find that are touched upon and run up against the main plot, even without interfering or being the characters just off frame. There is so many stories in A New Hope, in Empire Strikes Back, that we're going to be doing a loose series, as in it's not going to be every week. It is going to be a longish running series on stories that we can find in these movies that speak to us. I mean, it's going to be long enough because we got eight movies so far. So, you know, we got a lot of work with. Well, and then we've got the other two, which also have a lot of stuff to it. That... Oh, I guess. I guess those exist. I mean, what's really funny to me is that Rogue One is pretty much what we're talking about. Bingo. Like, Rogue One is an Age of Rebellion campaign that someone did to be like, okay, let's have it go right up until A New Hope. That's what our campaign is going to be. That is what Rogue One is. And that's why I like, I love Rogue One. I know it's yeah. not one of the most, po a lot of people don't like Rogue One, which yeah. to me is silly. Cause I, it's like, I love it. It's great. It is one of my favorite, just flat movies yeah. i i like it i without getting into this turning into a rogue one <laughs> love fest which it really could it doesn't get enough love i love the cynical people turning into heroes yeah i really love that as a story what i really like about it is that it doesn't try to use characters we've already met so it was its own thing but it was happening during this event that we all know pretty well Right, we all know that someone had to have gotten the plans mm -hmm. for the Death Star, so it's just playing off of that, and that's the kind of thing that 
as a GM, you can watch the movies and you can find something in there and go, well, how did that happen? And then you can have an idea on how to do it yourself and do it with your friends. In A New Hope, because yeah. there is a focus for this episode. We've got Tatooine. There are so many stories there. Yeah. Even if we discount Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina and the first two-thirds of From a Certain Point of View, an interesting book. I actually really like it, especially its take on Boba Fett, which means a few people will try and tar and feather me. But <laughs> even if we bring that in, there's so much there still just off screen or that are hinted about. Like, okay, we've got the one that just sort of jumps to my mind is First Year Imperial Academy. You've got all mm -hmm. these people coming in from everywhere, like across the galaxy. We know that there are different places where the Imperial Academy schools are. What goes on there? This is in the deleted scenes, but I guess we call it that. It's in the cuts footage. Is Biggs coming back to say, I'm going off to join with the Rebel Alliance. I yeah. want at least someone to know that I'm not dead. So it's like, I'd love to see something in that yeah because we get a little bit of that with rebels right yeah we see the imperial defectors a bit yeah to a small point we do the thing what would be great would be running a campaign where you are rebels and you are infiltrating to specifically foment uh, unrest Ooh. like actually have an agitator doing their job <laughs> Yes, yes. So that would be that would be a really fun campaign. At least something that's like a pretty short run thing or just a, a small arc in your campaign is having people go into the Imperial Academy and just try to get people to be disillusioned with the Empire. That's kind of the thing. That being your prologue. And then the big thing of fomenting enough rebellion within the ranks or at least attempting to, to have this entire wing of TIE fighter pilots jump sides to the Rebel Alliance and take out their victory Star Destroyer that has ferried them off into the middle of nowhere. Exactly. That'd be fantastic. That's a great age campaign right there. There's that whole thing of it. And then if you want to go more edge with A New Hope, mm. you, you get, we start hearing like almost immediately about Jabba and about <laughs> bounty hunters, like immediately, just right there in in the cantina, right? You can see like two or three people beyond Greedo that are bounty hunter-esque people. Yep. There is a part of me that as a one-shot, I want to do a musical group that <laughs> is competition for figuring Dan in the modal notes. Mm -hmm. Like that go in and are they're the next band it's like oh geez what did we walk into what kind of a club is this they've got one person who got disarmed literally <laughs> and they've got another person who's been killed yeah we were told that this was a dry place but we were told that it wasn't like shooting people kind of place like what's <laughs> up <laughs> and our contract's set i mean we can't even get out of it <laughs> i love it Obviously, while they're there, they get there's situations that they have to figure out. Unruly people who are there try to not die, you know? I mean, just imagine the kind of things that get thrown at you in uh, that cantina. Just the entirety of Mos Eisley is a pretty impressive story incubator. Yeah. The Imperial presence there. Like, right away, we already have all of these stormtroopers and stuff just there. So, what could you do? in that area 
of people who are just getting tired of it, you know? Yeah. Well, with that, I always have the couple questions of, did they just show up with the Devastator or was it whatever? And if they did show up with it, did they then leave as quickly? Or did like a small garrison get left? Did a big garrison get left? Yeah. Because as Luke says in it, if there's a bright star at the center of the galaxy, Tatooine's the furthest thing from it. So this is a little podunk planet that apparently like half the galaxy goes through. Yeah. Okay. If it's a little nothing planet, why would the Imperials want to stay? Yeah. That's the question. Because, I mean, I feel like we might find out in this in, in the new uh, Obi-Wan thing that's going to be coming out. I completely forgot about that. I'm, that's like the only thing that I'm actually kind of excited. <laughs> oh, to be honest, I'm kind of into most Ewan stuff. So yeah, I I love I love him, and I love how just excited he is at being Obi Wan. <laughs> like that's his favorite thing in the world. He was making all of the noises for the lightsabers. <laughs> yep. That's the question: Is that did the Empire have like a vague idea that like maybe? someone was there that was important because, uh-huh. or is it just left there because it you know vader was like yeah it was my home world so maybe we should keep an eye on it or something i don't know i want to know i kind of want to know and i kind of like that yeah sure we go back to it a little bit in the vader comic but that's like right after revenge of the sith there's so much in there where we've got 20 years so much can happen on there yeah obviously i'm running mask of the pirate queen i've We've gotten to Act 2, and one of the things in Ord Mantel, which is a Jawa city on Ord Mantel. It's a scrap city, because, well, Jawas. And it was, uh, the reason why they're there is because their town, their sand crawlers got attacked by sand people, and they decided to leave. One idea is, okay, you've got all these Jawa caravans that we see. The question I've got is, what would a adventure being like starting off all Jawas and they find <laughs> just a crash ship, like a crash ship in the desert. If it's a big enough ship, you could even have it being like this political intrigue thing. Yeah. You've got different Jawa sand crawlers trying to claim it, but it's too big for any one of them to claim themselves because it's just too much to do work. I love this idea because it's like everyone's a Jawa. Everyone you're going to play also is going to be a Jawa as the GM. This is yeah. just an all that I mean that would you could sell that to a bunch of players right off. Okay, I've been thinking about doing an all Jawa campaign and I know at least several people who would be completely there for it. <laughs> I mean they'd be happier if it was an all Ewok campaign, but yeah, we've got two movies to get to before that. <laughs> exactly. I think that that would be everyone would be like, "Yes." I am now thinking of doing something very similar to this for the uh, backers game that happened in October. (laughs) Just sort of slowly progressing through the movie, we have Jabba on the planet. We even have Jabba in Mos Eisley around the time that the Millennium Falcon blasts his way out of there and gets chased down by like a couple Star Destroyers. So we've got a pretty big Imperial presence. Yeah. My thinking is, okay, we've got a lot of really hyped up stormtroopers there like they don't want to be there they've been sent after these plans but this other ship that we're pretty sure has them blasted its way up but now we're still here that's sort of their mentality like they don't want to be here but they're sort of securing the place for the empire 
and they're making sure that they haven't missed anything. Like maybe a copy of these plans got out. They're chasing what they think is a copy of the plans. Yeah. But my original idea being, what if someone who was anti-Jabba was attempting to use the detachment of stormtroopers that were left behind to try and take some of Jabba's holdings from them? <laughs> they don't actually run the Imperial side of this equation. They're there to try and focus and train Jabba's people. Yeah, I like it. And then you have this whole thing. So I'm I'm running. I'm running with it. So player characters could literally be a rival, a rival gang of Jabba's, right? Ooh. And their aim is to try to f- like get a specific amount of territory away from Jabba. And so what would be great stuff to give them would be coming in contact with uh, stormtroopers that have been paid off by Java's people. <laughs> Having to deal with that. Uh, trying to plant clues to frame Java's people, right? To try and, like, mess them up. And then having also having to deal with the bounty hunters and stuff that Java would be sending out towards them. If he finds out, get enough threat, then someone knows that some, some someone's messing with it. So, you know, already in that situation, you already have, like, so many things that you could do. I love the idea just on account of, I like the idea of messing with Jabba. I love the idea of messing, like having two factions playing off against each other and then essentially using the Imperials as a weapon. Yeah. And almost like a nuclear bomb in the way that things go. It's like, okay, yeah, we've got our soldiers. You've got your foot soldiers. We've got our pushers and whatnot. And you've got yours. But then all of a sudden we're trying to, horn in on you and we're looking at maybe using these imperials as muscle without them knowing so we're planting stuff in Jabba's area and trying to inform on them does it work are we being good about it? are we being too good maybe the information leaks out so fast that the imperials jump on it before they can start getting a bit of antipathy to Jabba so that they're just there being business instead of trying to root out Jabba Another thing to do just with Jabba is obligation. True. Very true. So just being on Tatooine to try to clear up your obligation to Jabba and having to deal with stuff there. Like, see if Jabba makes you do some ridiculous stuff or <laughs> like, yeah, sure, I'll clear up your debt if you go do this for me or something like that. Or trying to like sneak in and do things in a weird way. Like, he specifically has this thing of mine as collateral, so we're going to go in and steal it. I love that idea. I'm just sort of thinking of a version of obligation that I've used with that is, okay, you've paid off the obligation to Jabba, but he likes the trinket that you gave him as collateral. (laughs) So now the only way you're getting it back is to steal it from Jabba. Yeah. Which technically in the obligation chart turns into another obligation. (laughs) The all-consuming goal, because Jabba has stolen from the player group, turns into, well, let's steal this from Jabba. <laughs> and I just like the idea of, okay, we've got this palace out in the middle of nowhere, or maybe it's on Jabba's sail barge, yeah. which is parked most of the time in like this impenetrable garage, and you can only do it if you're part of the retinue that's on the sail barge when he goes out flying on it. Okay, guys, we got to get jobs. With- <laughs> Time to go undercover, deep undercover. We got to get jobs. <laughs> I love it. I mean, the other bit of A New Hope 
off of Tatooine that we see that is great for stories is just, I mean, it is a fantastic jumping point for Age of Rebellion. We finally have this unified rebellion going on. Absolutely. you know, actually useful because if you try and do things like set in the Rebels time period, it's a lot harder because (laughs) there is no, like, actual Rebel alliance going on. But once you're in A New Hope, you actually can have, like, there are actually people you can report to in cells and stuff. (laughs) You can have your players be trying to find out more information. Or maybe they don't know that the information was already gotten for the the Death Star. So they're still trying to, they're, like, following other avenues trying to figure something out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That could be a really fun one. If this doesn't work to blow up the Death Star... We need to find a plan B. And now you guys are team B. <laughs> well, not just that. Okay, we've got this giant planet killer coming to us. So we're going to try and evacuate as many people as we can. Yeah. we got to make sure that the Imperial fleet isn't coming with it. On account of, like, in all sense, it should have. But that's beside yeah. the point. Okay, then where is the Imperial fleet so we don't jump there? Yeah. Okay, taking... Rogue One into a bit of the context. You've got, okay, they've just had this major defeat at Scarif. The galaxy is still reeling from the mining catastrophe on Jeddah. Like, Alderaan is destroyed. The Imperials are putting up propaganda saying they did it. At that point, the Rebels are going to, yes, they've got this great grand victory, but there's also the searching for a new location. You've got the exploration adventures that are just sort of set up, both just before. It's like, okay, so we're going to those temples. How did they find it? How did they find it? How long have they been there? They're running operations out of there for a while, apparently, if you go by Rebels. Yeah. What sort of things are going through there? Like, what missions can they run? Just using that temple, that Rebel stronghold, as a base and seeing it grow could be a pretty interesting set of adventures. Yeah, there's lots of stuff to do on on Yavin. Just lots of stuff. I mean, there's like Sith temples and stuff like that. Yep. You can go explore, especially if like you are somehow running a Force and Destiny campaign <laughs> in this time, which, you know, good for you. But it, that's obviously going to be one of the really hard time periods to be running a Force and Destiny campaign for right here during A New Hope. Like, be slightly before and slightly <laughs> after is a little easier, but if you're doing it, go for it. Oh, I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to join in with the Rebels, there's, you know, a, a, a lovely Sith temple on... Uh... There absolutely is. Yeah, go explore that. Yeah. Get some fun exploring in and, <laughs> you know, whatever it is you like to do. Dealing with the Imperial aftermath at the... A temple after the rebels have flown. Yeah. Because you better believe the Imperials have clamped down on that place. Like with ADATs and ATSTs and like Imperial garrisons and everything. Yeah. So maybe there's a piece of rebel tech that got left that the rebels need back. Mm, yeah. That there's just this one piece of in- intel they've left. It's coded, so they're pretty sure the Empire's not going to know it. But they still need it to finish their constellation of knowledge yeah that'd be fun so you've got to go back to the temple and get something from there that you're pretty sure that they don't have 
Yeah, and to be fair, after all the death that happened in that battle, then there's probably <laughs> oh, yeah. a virgins there now. Yeah? I mean, just think about... That's a good point. There's totally going to be a virgins there now. Think about all those people that died there. Yeah. Like, even using the conservative numbers for the population of the Death Star, that's got to be enough to tear open something for virgins. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, that's at least what I would think. But I would totally agree. And it would be really fun to explore. Especially considering, okay, so how would that virgins present itself? Oh, yeah. And think about the kind of things you'd have to have your players roll for. Because, like, that would be a lot of discipline checks to not be overcome with the emotions of panic and just being, like, panic on the one side. And on the other side, just feelings of, oh, no, I couldn't do it. Just, like, think about that. All of the player characters just coming overcome with those emotions of all of these people in their final moments. Even the most drawn-out timelines for A New Hope still has, like, the transit between Alderaan and Yavin to be days. So people are still trying to figure it out, even if it is days and not, like, hours or minutes. Yeah. Yeah, sure, the Imperials are fairly clamped down on what they're allowing in the different ranks, but people are still going to be thinking about it, and all of that turmoil, any which way, you're going to have the people, like, you're going to have the people turning into zealots who have been, like, that are part of this version. And that's just on the Imperial side. Then you've got the desperation of the, like, 38 rebel pilots that go up and never come back. Sorry, 37. (laughs) I keep forgetting about the Y-Wing. Pretty much. I mean, there's just a lot to deal with there. And then, then if you think about also having to deal with, like, the fallout of Alderaan, that's another thing Uh. that really... That really comes from this movie is what happens politically that you guys, uh, you as player characters can deal with? Because there's a lot that goes on there. Yeah, it is essentially a a pseudo-aristocracy planet, but there's a huge amount of interconnectedness with Alderaan. You've got the rebels, you've got economic fallout of it, because it was a core world. Like, it was one of the ones that was on major trade routes. So now you've got that stop on a trade route wiped out oh and also there has to be a virgins there in the middle of space <laughs> yep i just think about that i mean if the, it has to absolutely i would love to do something where now like an edge campaign of people <laughs> who are trying to start like some kind of racket going in that okay. sector because, Ooh. well, now people can't get things nice and easy from Alderaan. What can we do to make money off of this situation? You could have just, okay, this is a world that's close to Alderaan, that's kind of same Alderaan makeup. We can still have it coming from, like, the Alderaan sector or something like that. Yeah. Of just, like, okay, we've got Alderaan sector wine or something. Like, doing yeah. the whole uh, Burgundy thing or exactly. Champagne thing. This is actually Alderaan wine. How do we know it's made at the station in Alderaan's graveyard? (laughs) Exactly. That kind of thing of just trying to figure out how you as the player characters can somehow make a profit off of the loss of an entire world. (sighs) You know, lots of player groups would love to play that. You've got that. Like, and I was trying to go with something amazingly innocuous there, which that's about as close to innocuous as I get. (laughs) I mean, I try and do Edge because 
if I remember right, this group actually is in the main run of Star Wars comics. I get kind of tapped out. But um, if I remember right, there actually is a group in there that tries to bring Princess Leia back, saying that there's like some holdouts or some Alderanian expats that are going there to try and show their devotion or something along that lines. And in the end, it turns into a giant trap for Leia because, well, it seemed like a pretty low-key intelligence thing. But the idea of grave robbers or trying to set up something along that lines, like doing that legit, like, okay, we are here and we are Alderanian expats. We're trying to set up something to make sure that others don't tread on our tragedy, like that they don't desecrate this place. Yeah. That'd be interesting. And there's just so many different things that you could do with Alderaan, I think. Yeah, honestly. There's tons of things that you can do with Alderaan. If you really want to be terrible at it, terrible about <laughs> it and depressing, leading up to and actually on Alderaan. Ooh, yeah. That would just be a very short campaign. Because <laughs> you guys, everyone knows the end. But what can you get done before? Well, and also it's how far ahead are you? Yeah. And are you like a low-key force user there? Yeah. Do you have the premonitions of the force, like the echoes in the force coming towards you? Pretty much. I would think something as monumental as what happens to Alderaan would have echoes in the force. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Forward and backwards in time, I would think. Considering in the lore, Alderaan has no moons. Yeah. There's several different places where it's like, Alderaan's a planet with a moon for a day. The thought of some of the Force premonitions being, and the Force visions being, Alderaan with a moon and a catastrophe happens. Yeah. It almost doesn't matter how early, how much before this you are, but having those visions and those prophecies come to someone yeah. and trying to figure out how to deal with them. I also just recently read Master and Apprentice, which was a surprisingly good book, where it was talking about prophecies and starting to how a lot of Jedi had sort of poo-pooed them and yeah, they're just rantings of old crazy people. And then Qui-Gon starts getting into them and starts seeing how, yeah, prophecies actually can show and possibly can inform and probably will mislead. Yeah, I mean, Qui-Gon, come on. <laughs> If only they hadn't taken some of those things seriously. So true. That's one of the reasons why I say Master and Apprentice is actually a pretty good book, because it sort of sets up some of that stuff. The idea of, okay, now you've got these prophecies. Like, for instance, say someone got a holocron of the prophecies of Alderaan. Ooh. Honestly, that would just be interesting. I just want to write a book now called The Prophecies of Alderaan. That's a killer name, like, honestly. All the different things that could be in there. Yeah. Just have imagine, say, the Rebels timeline, which if I remember is like two, three years ahead of A New Hope. Yeah. Say someone gets the holocron of the prophecies of Alderaan. Oh, yeah. You've got two, three years knowing that some tragedy is going to happen to Alderaan, and they're all referencing something that just physically can't happen. And you're just trying to figure out what can that mean? What can we be looking for to mean a moon above the planet? That'd be, I'd love that. The fun part to that is that you could also have a bunch of pseudo red herrings yeah on account of say a thousand year period asteroid that's been hidden in behind the star something like that where it's like this thing is normally never an issue but this time due to a gravity assist alignment it is passing too close to the star 
and the trajectory is going to put it on a collision course with Alderaan. This is happening in the same ballpark. Like, it's prophecy. It's not like they've got date on this. Just sort of think of all the tragedies that could happen that could be avoided. Yeah. Then the thought of if there's a book of prophecies of Alderaan, then you get into the idea of a secret sept that is there. Maybe they're Jedi, maybe they're not, but they're there to protect Alderaan from these doomsday prophecies. I love that. Oh, and then the thing is, is that the, the, the sect is there and everything, but the Book of Prophecies has gone missing. Ooh. And so now you, the player group has to, is being hired by the sect to go find the Book of Prophecies. Yes. Also, I want, okay, I really want to know where Force users can fit in to this A New Hope era. Because we've talked a lot about Edge and about Age, but Force and Destiny characters, where could they fit in in this movie? Because I always like the idea of, I would love it if there was a group of Force-sensitive people going around trying to find other Force-sensitive people. That's their whole thing. They have someone who is like <laughs> has prophecies, someone with um, foresight, and yeah. now... They're getting taken to different planets to deal with things. And, of course, during this time, they can't be using any of their powers. If they have lightsabers, they can't be using those either. Because otherwise, bam, big red mark on your back. And how? Especially knowing all the Inquisitor stuff, too. Like, that's the perfect person to bring in if your player characters are just, yeah, I got this lightsaber. Whoosh, whoosh. Uh, (laughs) That solves all my problems. So I just, I want to know, I, what do you think for Force and Destiny characters in this time? Okay, to be completely fair, I kind of thought that we were talking Force and Destiny with the whole Prophecies of Alderaan thing. Oh, that's true, yeah. But otherwise, like, actually in the, closer to the plot, instead of just a really cool idea. Yeah, that... <laughs> which is a cool idea. That's <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, like, now I kind of want to run that. <laughs> well, like, half Indiana Jones, half Force stuff, that would just be cool. Yeah. That being said, two things I honestly think Force users would be pretty high on. One is, okay, this is going to sound weird, but completing Anakin's mission. Uh, Going back to Tatooine and freeing the slaves. Yeah. In all seriousness, that is what the, like I know it every now and then gets touched upon in either Legends or Canon, but it's one of those things that I really think that there could be a pretty interesting campaign there of essentially leading a slave revolt. And then yeah. still somehow leaving Jabba in place. But it could be a weakened Jabba. Yeah, what would be great is because people don't know what happened to Anakin. They don't know that he's Vader. <laughs> so just coming across like these like stories about Anakin and how he came from this place and he had been a slave and he was going to save the Force. So you know what we should do? We, could ta- we should take a pilgrimage to Tatooine where Anakin came from. That is awesome. Because we found all of these documents about him and how he was going to bring balance to the Force. So that's what we need to do to bring balance to the Force, is go back on a pilgrimage to Tatooine and find out what was so special about Tatooine to make, you know, to bring oh, him. that's great. Then we learn all about Anakin's, like, childhood and stuff like that, and then it ends with a slave revolt. That would be amazing. That would be great. Yeah. I love that idea. Because there's like no records, like really. So if anyone, all of that (laughs) stuff has been destroyed. So if anyone found any kind of fragments of records and that's all they have, 
yeah. them to like the Jedi, then they're going to like think of those as like sacred texts. That would be pretty interesting. I mean, one of the things that like, okay, this is a bit more on the edge end of things, but the gang at Anchorhead, like I know that this is sort of vastly changing scopes, but Luke's friends that he was going to duck out and get power converters at. <laughs> okay, sure. This is like small town where all the kids of a certain age get together and kind of hang out because, well, they got no one else to deal with. Like, other than the loners, sure, you're getting like 20, 30 people together and they do, uh, shall we say, late teen, early 20s things, aka things of questionable use. Yeah, apparently they're shooting rats in the desert. Well, I mean... Rats of a meter size, I can start getting behind shooting. <laughs> Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. Sorry. I'm good. <laughs> I'm here. I'm in the right. I, I, I'm back in Star Wars. We're back. It's okay. <sighs> you get a pass on account of that was a needed thing. <laughs> Going back to what you're talking about, the journey of the Force in this. Okay, we've got the destruction of Alderaan. We've got the destruction of... The Death Star, like two virgins is erupting. The thing that could happen that sort of becomes a spark from this is essentially taking the episode title a little literally is A New Hope, essentially A New Hope Dawns. Mm -hmm. And with this, we have something akin to The Force Awakens. Okay, we've got <laughs> these two things happening and it, they both send out tremors in the Force. Some stuff causes the Force ability in more teens because that's apparently where it would manifest itself like young kids teens like let's go full x-men on this and have something along that lines like your group that was going around finding force sensitives these two virgences like you've got uh obi-wan literally falling into a, like pretty much falling over into a chair because alderaan gets destroyed yeah so it's able to, okay, he might be a little more on the sensitive side, but it still affects him pretty deeply. And then you've got a similar one with the Death Star or a smaller one, but you've got this echo happening. It may not be directly, oh, this must happen, but I'm kind of wondering, would that turn into like this siren's call? Yeah. The forces awaken with me. I am one with the force, but the force is drawing me here. Yeah. And then to circle back to an idea we had earlier, you start having these people that are having essentially pilgrimages to Alderaan, and they don't yeah. know why. Where it almost goes, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. It's like, okay, yeah, and then you get a group showing up at a memorial station for Alderaan. Yeah. Then things go from there. We just we just invented two <laughs> Force Virgences. It's fine. You know what? I think that they would be there. I absolutely 100% go behind that. Of all the weird things that came out of Heir to the Empire, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. Maybe it's Dark Forces. Of there being a Force Virgins at Death Star 2. Yeah. Having one at Death Star 1 makes more sense to me. Yeah, I think so. So, Risa, do you have any sort of final thought or final idea for our listeners to sort of go take A New Hope and go forth? To take into their own adventures. Yeah. I say that if your group wants to do a campaign around the time of that movie, or you're like, I really enjoy a New Hope era, right? If we're just going to go yeah. small and smaller with our eras. I, I want to do that. Just watch the movie and write down anything that interests you. And then just brainstorm from, from there. Like, 
you're watching it and you go, wow, that one dude in the cantina really piqued my interest. I want to write an entire campaign about this guy. Like, do it. I mean, the twins, the Chatterfin, the Arcona, the weird guys with the music. Yeah. There's that wolf guy in there. That was kind of cool. They've got yeah. the devil guy. <laughs> so, you know, just find something, anything. Like, just watch the movie and brainstorm. That's just always my thoughts, though, is watch something or, you know, read something and then you'll get... I mean, the best way to, to like, get your creative juices flowing is to consume media, to be honest. Yeah. So, that's why I say it a lot. How about you? Well, taking your idea and expanding, because you've got the core of the idea there. We're taking this and just sort of expanding on our own and seeing where our own minds take us. What sort of adventures are we interested in trying to explore? The reason why I like these movies is that for the story, there's a lot of stuff that is added, there's that's hinted at, that we don't actually see. What's going on with Red Flight or Gold Flight in the days before Scarif? They're trained Starfighter Corps that are running out of this facility. What missions are they flying? Having players that are in there and actually doing some of these missions. If I was going to do a Starfighter campaign, that would be one of the things that I'd run. Or, okay, they've got a bunch of A-Wings because, well, Rebels, A-Wings, they seem to just be, like, littering the place. My thinking is they use the A-Wings as escorts for the escape. Say your uh, Starfighter squadron is the A-Wings working out of Yavin. They got word from the princess that this giant planet killer is coming. Now... The A-Wing group, this is the Starfighter Squadron that is there to save as many as they can. Save all the techs. So that it's only a skeleton crew left on Yavin. Try and evacuate and make sure that the spark of the rebellion doesn't get snuffed out. And all you're in is A-Wings. There are just so many stories there. And I think, take them. Run with them. Exactly. docking area for the word from Ben that it's all safe. Suddenly, the door to the docking bay opens and, wow, Ben, you're back early. Graveyard's haunted. Get your supplies. We're going ghost hunting. Join us next time on an extreme tale from the Hydean Way. We can be found on Twitter at the Hydean Way and I'm at Deuterium Mice. And you can find me at Cookie Kit. We are all at thehydeanway.com where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about on the show, and our live play podcast Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us up by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Drop the holocom at tales at thehidingway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehidianway. Or you can give us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash thehidianway.